0: Hi, and welcome to the SuperNT18 Podcast with your host, myself, Steve Halpern. I haven't done some new podcasts, especially around the subject of the coronavirus, and that's because, one, I've been spending a lot, a lot of time in the scientific uh, databases looking at all sorts of research from... Any source possible, and that's been really nice because a lot of databases and and research places that used to have to publish, you know, used to have to buy the articles are now available. Well, lo and behold, I got to test my supplements and the supplements I recommend. Last, uh, let's see now, uh, probably last Tuesday. Which gives lots of time between now and last Tuesday. Um, I saw not feel good, which is kind of strange for me because I haven't been sick <laughs> as long as I can almost remember. And I had some mild symptoms, um, just some basically some aches and pains and fatigue, which I don't normally get. And, uh, no major cough or headache or, you know, uh, 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 high temperature, little chills. And I took my nutrients. Of course I isolated and, you know, it's difficult to get tested at this point. Um, and in, oh, two days I was like 85% myself. Okay. And another day or two, it was perfectly fine. I did take a lot of things. And I got to see what works. And that's really, really important. What works. Now, remember what works is going to be different for every individual that's a problem we try and have a cookbook approach to medicine and pharmacology and everyone gets basically, you know, uh, for the most part, the same dose. And uh, we all respond differently. Luckily, a lot of people seem to respond the way they're supposed to respond and some people don't. And there's so much information on the web Obviously, that's conflicting and confusing. Should I take Advil? Should I not take Advil? Should I take IV, You know, should I take Tylenol? Should I not take Tylenol? Should I take aspirin? Should I not take aspirin? The problem is that it's individual. Now, at the same time that I wasn't feeling well, and like I said, I'm totally fully recovered. Um. My daughter, Sila, who would never gets sick, also she started to have some symptoms and uh, some high fever. You know, well, not high fever, but enough to be, you know, uh, very uncomfortable. And so, what she did is, she decided to take <clears throat> um, all my nutrients, obviously, but then she took some Advil. You know, non-stored in anti-inflammatory, which we have all this confusion about right now. And within an hour, and you know, in a very short time, her fever had come down, and she felt really good. Well, I read the news releases and said, "Oh, mm, uh, I'll give you an aspirin instead." And she started to have fever again, and gave me the aspirin. How do you feel? Mm. Nothing. Oh, nothing. And I said, "Well, let's go with the Advil, you know, the uh, not, you know, the Advil, the Adviprofen. They're all the same, basically." And within a very short time. She was much, much, much better with the drop in temperature and and feeling, you know, recovering really well. So there's an example, okay. You know, we need to put these into context. And, uh, you know, if you've normally not felt well taking, you know, it doesn't make you feel good when you take those things, it ain't going to make you feel better now. Okay, and uh, it doesn't work for me, but you know, natural anti-inflammatories like ginger, those yeah, that works. So let's get into the nitty-gritty here uh, on this uh, really uh, terrible health crisis. And as I, as I uh, have said before, my heart goes out to people who are you know uh, suffering from this. His lives have been touched, you know, maybe lost people. And uh, we will get through this. So let's again put a context on nutraceuticals and nutraceuticals and what's the science behind this. There's a condition called septic shock. Well, the name is cytokine storm. And for whatever reason, there seems to be... Probably genetic, maybe in you know, maybe there were smokers, or you know, had a history of uh, liver issues or some other condition where the immune system gets out of control. So what is, what's the example? The example would be, you know you, you light a match in a place that has sprinklers and the sprinkler system goes off extinguishing the match but doesn't turn off and floods the whole building. And before you know it, uh, the floor collapses and you have all this damage. Well, that's basically what happens in the immune system. And that's why there's considering things like um, the malaria drug or other major anti-inflammatory drugs, because you want to stop this major inflammation. Because what basically happens is you get a pneumo- you get pneumonia, but not an infectious pneumonia, not a necessarily bacterial pneumonia. Yet you can get an infectious pneumonia in a hospital. You know we forget how many hospital born infections there are in a person in the hospital and they got a tracheotomy and they're attached to the ventilator and then they wind up with something they didn't even have in the first place. Okay. Besides just the fluid and inflammation in their lung. Okay. So let me get back to the topic. The topic is what controls this inflammation Or overreaction, well, it's very, very immunologically complicated, but in simple terms, oxidative stress, which I've talked about previously in the podcast. Oxidative stress is a normal biological process as part of living, as part of our immune system, serves many, many, many functions. one of the one of the uh, substances bio you know chemical substances is the peroxide we call it the peroxide radical and and we have the hydroxy radical and the nitric, nitric uh, you know, oxide radical. We have all these radicals and so you need to control the radicals they certainly can serve a purpose and they're very important in our defense so controlling oxidative stress, leading to inflammation. Now, any search, any search on Google and any of the scientific uh, uh, sources, cross-referencing oxidative stress and septic shock or cytokine storm will verify what I've been saying. So, Now we talk about the role of antioxidants. And the major antioxidant in the body being glutathione. Glutathione is manufactured in every cell in the body, but the majority of glutathione is manufactured in the liver. Well, unfortunately, there are two major factors that can... There are many factors, but two major factors that um, can be related to... um, the cytokine storm, which is lower glutathione levels, and when you have a virus, any kind of virus, it affects systemic glutathione levels. If you have any liver-related condition, you have diabetes, and you have, you know, uh, hepatitis, and you've had a history of drug use. You know, recreational drug use. Uh, you're vaping. You're smoking. You have lower glutathione levels. Less, less of the protective antioxidant. Studies have shown that increasing again. Why are so many not human studies? Because you're dealing again with a natural compound. No real incentive for huge clinical trials. There are some studies that show improvement in, in the lungs and in cystic fibrosis patients and some asthma patients. So increasing glutathione can reduce the lung inflammation and at the same time support the normal immune functioning. Again, this is science. This isn't, you know, made up stuff, okay. This isn't, you know, some some hype. Now, how do you increase glutathione? There are a number of ways. Well, certainly by doing things t- lifestyle-wise that don't lower glutathione, like, you know, excessive alcohol and smoking and vaping. You know, those are kind of dumb things to do at this point. Aging generally is related to lower glutathione levels, some people have a genetic disease called G6PD, 400 million people worldwide the most common genetic disease and one of the unfortunate things about G6PD is lower glutathione levels, so you can have more vulnerability, it's very uh, predominant in Mediterranean populations African-American populations, and normally, unless it's acute, it's not screened for. You know, it's something that might be picked up, but, you know, you can have variations of G6PD, and you can look this up. You can look up G6PD and glutathione. So let's again talk about how you might improve your glutathione and does it really have some relevance to this whole health crisis there were some studies done on oral glutathione in the oral cavity, uh, preventing um, viral uh, infiltration, done by uh, Dean Jones at Emory University. Good research. In fact, uh, there was even a product, I don't know if they still sell it, called Sucrets, which had some oral glutathione. But the key is getting enough of the glutathione, a high enough dose. To have a beneficial antiviral effect. And so what I personally do and personally recommend is you know uh, gargling and swishing with uh, or glutathione. I use a glutathione powder that I've been recommending for almost 30 years and you can find that at uh, talking herbals talkingherbals.com glutathione it's 50 grams of glutathione and you only need maybe an eighth of a spoonful and you can swish with it and uh, get some beneficial effect you can also increase your anthocyanidines, your berries I like Aronia you can look that up you know the blueberries and the whole family of berries has a beneficial effect on increasing um, glutathione and my number one Okay, in my, and also R-lipoic acid. I don't want to forget that R-lipoic acid and antioxidant has been shown to increase glutathione. In fact, uh, in a recent review, a natural of uh, natural compounds that might have corona benefit, lipoic acid was listed as an antiviral and also as a stimulant for glutathione. So R-lipoic acid. I like the racemic form of lipoic acid not on my list is vitamin c normal amounts of vitamin c it's only been shown maybe to shorten the cold but not to have some major major effects because it's so difficult to raise the systemic levels of vitamin c orally now i think there's some good reasons to take liposomal if you can look up liposomal vitamin c which better absorbed And that might be a way to go. I mean, they are experimenting in China. They were on using intravenous high-dose vitamin C uh, to help lessen the effects of uh, septic shock, the mortality from septic shock. So are lipoic acid. Now, again, on the top of my list, is sulforaphane sulforaphane is produced from certain cruciferous vegetables that have a high level of what's called glucoraphanin which is a precursor of sulforaphane and when it has the plant enzyme myrosinase, it'll make sulforaphane and sulforaphane has been shown to be in studies antiviral it also turns on the protective anti-inflammatory gene system. So, top of my list is broccoli seed, the most potent way of getting sulforaphane. And there are a lot of fake products out there, I'm sorry to say, and I get, they tell you to take the sprouts, but they don't tell you how much sulforaphane it actually will make, and what the source of the sprouts were, and none of this. Okay. And this is a serious, obviously, a medical issue, and... I recommend Vitalica Physician, broccoli seed, which was developed and patented for research on cancer originally at John Hopkins. And uh, for myself, my family, I recommend, you know, um, at least if you're well, three capsules of Vitalica F- Physician. And if you're... Suffering symptoms up to six. Is there any negative effect that we've seen clinically, either with myself, my patients, or in Dr. List's office? The answer is no. Supports liver function, supports glutathione, and has an anti inflammatory effect. Will there be a huge clinical trial down on this in this situation? The answer is probably not. Again, for the reasons I've talked about. Okay, what's the incentive? And if a scientist is lucky to get a grant, maybe, because the broccoli seed also has been clinically tested in human studies uh, for prostate cancer and breast cancer mitigation and, and in combination with treatment so there's lots and lots of science behind it, but applying it in this whole area of uh, suppressing this excessive inflammation is so so absolutely important i'll be going through the there was a research piece again that came out of uh China reviewing all the various nutrients and their antiviral effect and with scientific references and I'll be doing some additional podcasts on those but right now my top list is uh, glutathione broccoli seed and uh, and I love the berries and if you can't get the berries You can look on, of course, there's some problem with back quarters on Amazon, but I really do like uh, Aronia, A-R-O-N-I-A, and you can look up Aronia, cross reference Aronia and virus, and you'll see some research on there, and it's rich in anthocyanidines. So as I said, I'll be doing more homework, and we really shouldn't throw out the baby with the bath water, And appropriate medical care, obviously, obviously is life-saving. But we shouldn't neglect all the wonderful studies that are out there that have not been brought to the mainstream, unless someone's trying to uh, sell something. Uh, Let me give you those sites. It's Talking Herbals, Glutisone, you can put that in into a search engine and probably come up Talking Herbals or you can go to Talking Herbals and you'll see uh, TalkingHerbals.com you can also go to Vitalica Supplements.com Vitalica Supplements.com and you'll see uh, the broccoli seed so stay healthy the goal should be doing all your health promoting behavior and not just uh, wearing a mask, which is you know, certainly uh, part of the protocol, but it's not enough. Okay. Practicing good health habits. This is Steve Halpern. Please share this podcast. Please subscribe so that I get my latest updates. And I uh, thank you so much for listening.